And you're all very welcome along to another RTE Rugby podcast coming to you live from Quinta de Lago. Uh, I'm there anyway, following the Irish camp for the, the next few days. Got the nice little golden ticket. Um, we're on Wednesday of week one in the Guinness Six Nations for 2023. Ireland against Wales this Saturday afternoon at the Principality Stadium in Cardiff. Team is going to be named tomorrow afternoon. Uh, before that, Wales have already shown their hand. We'll get into those uh, team selections a little bit later on, though. Um, Bernard Jackman and Ian Keithley are both with me. How are you doing, fellas? Good, thank you. Very good, thank you. So I'm going to tee up this one, lads. Ireland's number one team in the world, coming into a World Cup year, first round of the Six Nations. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing can go wrong. Sure, we're number one in the world. <laughs> well, I think it's. I think this is the first time that I think Ireland have been number one in the world, and they've had another like one and two in the world have ever been in the in the Six Nations. Like France, obviously number probably, two. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of been kind of exciting, isn't it? And it's probably my first year since finishing playing as well that I've really like enjoyed and I'm really excited about the Six Nations. Um, I know that might sound funny, but once you start playing or you're involved you kind of you still kind of have that little bit of oh, I want to be there and you kind of don't but I'm really like this year is my first year that I'm excited for it Ireland won the world world cup year um, and Ireland are playing some some really good rugby so it's it's an exciting time any particular reason for that or is it just this Ireland are kind of in such a good position that you you're kind of you feel like you're going to enjoy it a bit more yeah i don't know why it's just it's just i've kind of gotten over the whole me still wanting to play kind of rugby. I don't get me wrong, I still want to play, but I'm kind of following it as more of a fan now and excited because I, I just actually, you know, when you watch uh, football and you watch like City and Liverpool play, you kind of get excited to watch them play. Uh, and like, I kind of, I enjoy watching Ireland play and how creative they are and how they're able to exploit the space. It's They, they play a really exciting brand and, and so do France. And then there's obviously the other uh, bits of Gatland coming back for Wales, Italy got their la- first win in the Six Nations last year, so they'll be full of hope. And then, uh, obviously Scotland or Scotland have England first up, and they always spring a surprise, and it could be against England in the first match. So it's kind of exciting, exciting start to the Six Nations. Yeah, and first I suppose that's probably it. Just in the tournament on a whole, fairly broad strokes of it. There are a lot of just kind of exciting little storylines and subplots going on over the next six, seven weeks. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's set up perfectly. Um, I suppose from an Irish point of view, the fact that we have France and England coming to the Aviva means we, you know, we've even more expectation around uh, potentially being successful and um, the knock-on effect of that, how hard it is to win a Six Nations. Um, so to be in the hunt for it before it starts, theoretically, is... Is big, but yeah, as Keith says, I think I think Gatlin come back and just change this fixture around. If it was Wayne Pivak, um, I think we'd be going there very confident. Uh, but now there's a little bit of a little bit of fear. Uh, there's obviously the jeopardy of, of if we lose and how, how that could derail us. Um, you know, and I, I think Bortwick soundings uh, from hearing from people close to the England camp is that you know they're they're revolutionized. Not that Eddie Jones isn't a good coach or wasn't a good coach or they wanted him out, but just a sense of freshness there now. Um, that means they could be right bang uh, in contention. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a six days to look forward to. Yeah, I'd 100% have England in contention. I think, uh, like, if you're talking a, a coach to get a short-term success, in like, 
Borthwick has kind of shown already with Leicester what he can do in a fairly limited period of time. And it's not as if he's working with a scratch squad. Like he's got a pretty good group of players there to work with. Yeah, exactly. Like England's on paper, when you see see the names there and you're like, Jamie, they're a very good squad. And I don't know what it was with Eddie Jones. Maybe they just got a bit a bit stale or they just, as Bert said there, they just needed a freshness. Now, I don't know how quick he'll be able to put his stamp on the team. I still think they'll be improved, but I still, I can't see them. I just think it's too early for them to really be title contenders uh, for the Six Nations, but they've got them in in place for Six Nations. Obviously, then the Summer Series, um, the one-up game. I think they're more so targeting the World Cup rather than this Six Nations. But I know when when, when new coaches come in, a, f- a fresh voice, it, it just revigorates a team sometimes. And that's exactly what England want. And I don't think they'll be able to... to turn it up fully for this Six Nations, but they, they've got a good guy in place there with, with as you said, they're great players and England will always be up there, thereabouts. But I just think it's a bit too too late in the day to be bringing in Borthwick to expect them to be winning the Six Nations. Okay. Well, uh, the other interesting little part of the, the Six Nations is what's going on in the background. So behind everyone we're going to be seeing over the next few weeks are the Netflix cameras and we we noticed this yes uh, yesterday down in Portugal down here in Portugal where they were like it's a small enough crew I think there was th- just three or four of them but they were kind of hovering around the place the whole time and from what we heard there there have been a couple of just kind of differences creatively over you know just things like access and and trying to organize what they are allowed and not allowed to film and things like that and I think training yesterday, for example, ended up getting rescheduled at the last, well, not rescheduled, but kind of reformatted at the last minute. They changed the, the plan of what they were doing, the order of the way they were doing it in training and things like that. And it just felt like there was a little bit of tension in the air. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, goes over the next six or seven weeks. But Birch, like it is something, I'm sure there are going to be camps that are more comfortable than others with what they're going to allow and like... I'm not. I'm not trying to like get excuses out early, but it is going to be interesting to see how how some teams handle it and how some teams potentially don't. Yeah, and even we had a, a broadcasters media briefing yesterday with World Rugby, and that was one of the things they spoke about that for the people who are pitch side, you're going to have two Netflix crews uh, there because each team have their own crew for the for the whole tournament, and that's going to be an extra eight people kind of hovering around just to be aware of that and um, just reassuring us that. You know, they'll be very careful in terms of medical stuff, you know, if the, the interfering and in, not interfering, but getting footage of that, you know, um, which is obviously really important from the player's point of view. I think it'll settle down. I think when uh, the rumor is, or the, the figure I saw was 125,000 odd per country for yeah. access. So, yeah. you know, um, from a, from a, probably from a coach and player point of view, you're going, well, it's not worth it. It's not worth having this intrusion. But I think. Generally, what will happen is um, trust will be built between the the cameras and the and the and the people working for Netflix and the and the teams, and it'll settle down. People, players will stop. <coughs> Sorry, people. Um, players won't be as conscious of them anymore. Uh, coaches won't be conscious anymore. So, but it, hopefully, it'll be fascinating insight into what happens. Looking forward to seeing the the end product in, and I know, like, it ultimately, ultimately, it's not coming out until this time next year, before next year's Six Nations. So. Even the the worries over what you're giving away before a World Cup should hopefully kind of dissipate in the next week or two. 
Yeah, I think I I I'm, I love it. I think it's brilliant. I always watch the was it All or Nothing's on yeah. uh, Netflix, and like it just gives a little insight into the into the psychology and and rugby. Bert, you'll know like it's 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 like when people watch it, it's not as simple as you think. Like the there's so many intricate complex complexes, and even trying to get guys mentally prepared for literally you're going into a war, and to try and get players up and ready like. I think Gatlin touched on it during the week that like you have to like you have to raise your voice you have to like you have to kind of almost give reasons to get up for it and you have to sometimes bag the opposition like you have to like get get that emotional connection with players so I'm looking forward to seeing how the coaches do that in the background um, and see how much Netflix put in and out um, let out because like a rugby change room, like to, you have to get up for a battle and <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how much they put that, that out on Netflix. But, and then I don't know how much tactically tactical stuff they go in. Like a lot of the tactics are, are similar enough for, for, for teams and uh, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, how much they release, but I think it's great for rugby. It's going to, it's going to broaden the sport. Um, and, and everyone's looking for those little, what are those teams saying to each other? That's different to any other team. Yeah, and ultimately, I'd probably think that I'm not expecting there to be too much real tactical kind of insight or as some of the coaches have been saying, you know, the rugby IP being revealed. Because I I find with a lot of these documentaries anyway, they are generally aimed at the the armchair fan or someone who is completely new to the sport. And a lot of that information ultimately is going to be just going over their heads. I I, I expect it to be a, a much broader kind of a much broader series but Bert just before we move on from the Netflix stuff how many team talks have you given out down the years where you've thought afterwards geez thank god there wasn't a camera in there yeah loads and there was one actually Ruby Pass did and in the Dragons was a post-match review of Exeter where I certainly would wouldn't have been as hard um as I was if I had my time again if the cameras weren't there but I, I think I think what hopefully it'll do is it'll give the players and coaches a chance to expose their personality and character I think that's what people People follow people. So mm-hmm. I think the most interesting thing, as you said, won't be the tactical stuff. But that's what coaches are afraid about. They're afraid of how, you know, um, if, if, the, if the documentary portrays how Ireland see the way Wales defend as being a, a, an area of weakness and, and targeting that. Um, obviously, Wales can see how they try to target them. Sometimes you don't get a chance to actually do some of the things you prepare for just because of the way nature goes. And then obviously you play the next year with the same coaching staff. So that's what, Tactically, they're they're afraid of, um. But I think there'll be enough in it there with, you know, setbacks, you know, pressure, um, excitement, uh, and and also the personalities involved that should make it, you know, really riveting viewing. And and the hundred twenty five odd thousand that each union gets, you know, that that's that's only a a token gesture. It's actually how it can hopefully help grow the game a little bit and and make people. Uh, more interested in, in following supporting rugby in Six Nations. Yeah, we'll see how it goes anyway over the next little while. Um, on the games itself, so we were talking about rugby IP and it's Ireland against a Wales team with a new head coach. Granted, it's a head coach we know a lot about, but new backroom team as well. He doesn't have his trusty lieutenants like Robin McBride and, and Sean Edwards and Rob Howley. So Ireland are coming into this game, Ian against Wales on Saturday not really knowing a huge amount about what to expect. So how do they 
go about it? it is, is it more just looking at what they can control themselves rather than trying to second guess or guess what's going to be coming out of Warren Gatlin's team? Yeah, I think I think Ireland have been very good at that over the last few a few years, even from Joe Schmidt to, to Andy Farrell now, they, they have their own identity. I don't think they do worry about opposition as much as they might have used to in the past because they know if they play their game, they're, they're as I said earlier, they're they're so exciting, they're so creative um, and they play such a nice brand of, brand of rugby that I don't think they'll be too worried against Wales. And I almost think Gatland coming back, especially someone for like Sexton, who still has a a little bone to pick with Gatlin for not being picked for the for the Lions. Like I think Gatlin coming back is almost going to spur a few of those um, Irish players on. Uh, so I don't. I think it's. I think we know Gatlin always talks it up in the media and he kind of tries to get under the the nerves. But I don't think he, he once again like Bortwick. He, he's not. He hasn't been in place and time to to really like. They've been playing on the pivot for the last couple of years. You don't just change a style of play overnight. So I think he'll be a bit more, Gallon will be a bit more of a solid game plan, a bit more around the corner like he always used, used to play, very direct, very abrasive, and he'll try and beat up Ireland, which I think that's the way people think that if you're going to beat Ireland, you need to beat them up physically and at the breakdown. Um, so we can expect that from Wales, but I just don't think... I don't think Gatlin's in there in time to to put back in place all his his styles and his thing. I think once again Gatlin's being brought back in for the World Cup, not for for the Six Nations. Um, so I don't really see many surprises, but it does bring an added edge that Gatlin's back. Birch, would you be expecting that a kind of a a stripped back game from Wales, where it's kind of brought back down to just nailing the absolute basics? Yeah, absolutely. And Gatland, that's, you know, he probably is the, the coach most likely to be able to, I think, implement it in a short space of time, particularly when he's going back to Ken Owens, you know, Adam Beard, Adam Wynn Jones, Justin Tipperick, Faletau, Bigger, Thomas Williams, Lee Haffany. They they know, you know, Warren Ball. Um, and, and, you know, any of the things he said since he's come back around looking back at how Wayne tried to play. I don't know if, if you remember, Wayne came into international rugby. And actually, Wayne was quite critical of Gatlin's style of play while he was Scarlet's coach because they'd won a, a Pro 14 and playing a, a really good brand of rugby. And Gatlin was like, okay, it's not as easy as you think, you know. Um, international rugby, there's less time, less space. And it was ironic because Pivak actually went away from that type of game as the pressure came on um, and he, he tightened up. So Wales kind of ended up in no man's land. You know, they weren't um, playing or trying to play the type of rugby that Pivak probably believed or knew how to coach best, but yet they weren't playing the the, the power game that Gatland um, had got so much success out of them. So, you know, he's spoken about, Gatland spoken about, you know, set piece being important, your launch, getting you over the gain line, um, good kicking game, um, and a good D. And, um, you know, with his halfbacks, I think they can they can certainly do that. Um, I think Liam Williams has a bit of a knock, so he's out, mate. Gatlin's saying, oh, maybe the halfpenny might make it so Liam Williams could come in at fullback. But um, regardless of that, I think, you know, the likes of Josh Adams is good in the air. Rio Dyer, incredibly quick. Um, but a four-pack is is a pack that on paper you would expect to, to be able to go toe-to-toe with Ireland, which is, you know, um, which is amazing given how, 
how superior the provinces are to the to the regions, uh, and also it's a it's a wildly experienced team, and it seems as if you know I remember Gatland after Japan said, "Oh, Wayne's got some big calls to make around some of these players," but he never he didn't move them on. So <clears throat> Gatland saying, "Now I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with him to the World Cup, and then I'm gonna make the decision." So it's probably been better for Gatland that he can still call on you know those old tried and tested um, players that made him so successful but yeah it, it's it, the defensive system I think is going to be the hardest one to to bet in you know for for Mike Forshaw he used to be with Connacht very good defence coach with Sale you know rugby league real personality but that's where Wales always built their game around and Sean Edwards it took him a long time to get it right and obviously then there's stability there so I think that's the area that I agree with Ian you know may take a little bit of time to, to bet in properly I had I had Fush when uh, I first moved to Canada, and I did a kick off like this was the first time doing rugby uh, rugby union coming from rugby league and I did a kick off and we kicked deep and uh, I stayed back in the backfield and he was like, Kate, what are you doing in the backfield?" <laughs> I was like, "What?" And he goes, "Get up, get up!" And now uh, we all went up into the front line and <laughs> in the training they just kicked long and then the next day uh, Forrest goes uh, yeah sorry about that I, we just wanted everyone up in the front line yeah. so new. and like now, now watching him he's like the Wales defence coach what 12, 13 years later I was like how times have changed but he is he's a very good coach Um, once he got, he understood the rules of rugby union but he's all about that rugby league physically get up don't give him time space so it'd be interesting to see how he goes at the international level yeah, thankfully he's uh he's he's learned the, he's learned the tricks of rugby union down Hopefully the years. Hopefully hasn't. Hopefully hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe tell Johnny. Tell Johnny. Yeah, Johnny's up for media today. I'll pass, that, I'll pass that one on to him a little bit later on. Um, but it was funny. Uh, Birch was listening to some of the players there, like Lee Halfpenny, Dan Bigger, Alan Jones, Ken Owens, Justin Tipperick. It's incredible. Like we're here in twenty. Like as he was listening in my head, I was going, "Geez, what what year is it? Like is it twenty? Is it twenty sixteen? Is it twenty seventeen? Like." The experience when you look through that Wales side, and I know a lot of the time you associate, you know, experience of being past it, but ultimately these are guys who these are guys who know how to beat Ireland well, like incredibly well down the years. Yeah, and as I said there, I, I looked at the team and I was like, what year is this as well? But like Warren's come in, uh, he's like, right, I'm gonna stick with guys that know my game plan, know what I want, and and ultimately they they trust. Warren Gatlin as well and that's that's a big thing like you if you don't trust the, the coach you're, you're not going to deliver on the pitch so these guys know Warren they know what to expect they know the game plan that he wants and it's probably as Bert said there out of all the coaches who have just come in between him and Borthwick Warren will get that quick fix quicker than anyone and um, it, it will be it'll be interesting to see the first 20 minutes because it's going to be it, it's in the Principality Stadium um, like they create some atmosphere there, um, and and Ireland have struggled over the years over there. So it will be interesting to see, but I still think that Ireland are just too classy. They don't they don't play many like if you actually watch Ireland play, they don't do many big loopy passes. They don't allow that defense to to shoot on you. They play real short connected passes, quick high tempo, quick breakdown, and it's very hard to get your defense set once the breakdown is quick and short, quick passes. And um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, but I don't think they'll, I don't think, I don't think they'll get their structures in place quick enough to, to trouble Ireland on, on the weekend. 
And Birch Keats mentioned Ireland's poor record in Cardiff there. Like, haven't won a Six Nations game there since 2013. I know they've had two World Cup warm-up wins in 2015 and 2019, but ultimately, you know, you're not really counting those as much as the Six Nations ones that you're really, you know, setting your stall out on. How much of a factor is that? Or, or do you think enough time has gone past? Like, ultimately, it's four years since Ireland played a Six Nations game there in front of a full house. Yeah. So... Oh, look, I, I, don't, I think it's just another milestone that this team will want to, um, to, to tick off. And it is a, an incredible atmosphere. And, and those Welsh players, they've, like, particularly those lads you mentioned, they have fed off that energy for, for you know, 15, 12, 13 years, some of them, and um, created some incredible memories and occasions there. And, and the whole background chaos in Welsh rugby as well, Gatlin will use that as a as a real opportunity to circle the wagons and, and you know, uh, for those players to reunite Welsh rugby as such and, uh, and um, heal it, help it heal. So the motivation will be, um, will be massive and we have to be prepared. Like, I think any win this weekend um, will be a good win, you know, um, because we may not hit our straps. Um, and even against, you know, in November, there was times when we, we were under a bit of pressure in both games against South Africa and, and and Australia, yes, we found a way to win. And I think that's going to be the key because look at with the top five or six in the world, been so little between any of us. The team that does well in the Six Nations and wins the World Cup um will be a team who's very good at just managing those key moments. It's not going to be who has the best attack, who's the best defense. I don't think. I think it's going to be composure, um, ability to to problem solve on the run, uh, replacements coming on and, and making an impact. Um and so I think this Six Nations the, the tougher it is while it may be nerve-wracking it's actually going to be better for us um, long term uh, better for us oh, sorry over the next calendar year and I expect it to be that way as well I, I think there's going to be a lot of tight games in it. Yeah and to follow on from that point like if you look back at 2019 we're always talking about like and there's still people this year talking about you know they want to see Ireland experimenting a bit more with team selections and things like that and I know they didn't do that in 2019, but Ian, when you look back at that, you see the the defeat against England on the opening day and how Ireland were basically just chasing their tails from the first week of February right through to the World Cup. And it was so hard to, I likened it to a snooker player kind of running out of position on a break and they're just constantly, they're still making pots, but they're kind of fighting the cue ball the whole time and they're running a little bit more and more and more out of position until eventually it's it's break over. And ultimately, that's what happened at the World Cup. Like Ireland aren't really in a position where they can be kind of saying, "Oh no, let's let's take it easy on the Six Nations and work through a few things, and we'll we will peak in the summer." Because peaking ultimately, it's not like turning on and off a light switch. No, no. And everyone's saying like, "Oh, we need to experiment now because we were number one in the world and we've shown really good." Like we had a great November, great uh, summer last year. Some people are like, oh, but if you don't win your first match, how quickly people's opinions change? Like, oh no, we can experiment now. So, I think, I think they need Ireland need to get off to good start. They they'll they'll probably pick a probably steady team. Uh, they're tried and trusted for the Wales and the France match, and then if they go well, I think it's Italy away, which will also be it'll be a test. But I think that. If you go well against Wales, France, beat them. I think then he might try <clears throat> swap around the team a little bit. But if, as you said there, if 
if you don't get a win in the first two, you're kind of going, well, still want to win this Six Nations. There's still always a chance. Any team <clears throat> can beat anyone um, on their day. So it all depends on how they start. So Wales is their first focus. Uh, they see how that goes. Then it's France in the Aviva. And then if you pick up two wins, I'd say he might change it up for the for the Italy match and then start giving guys like maybe Ross Byrne, Jack Crowley. Like there's there's a lot of guys there who 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 need experience um before, as we touched about going into a World Cup where you don't want to play probably Johnny Sex in every match. Mm. Um so you need guys who, who could feel comfortable in that situation. Um and, and obviously there's other other positions like that, that that you need to experiment with as well. So it all depends on how Ireland starts and that will de- determine whether he changes it up or not. So Ireland team's going to be named tomorrow. It doesn't seem like there's going to be any real surprises. It seems like Johnny Sexton is well on his way to be past fit to play. Tyke Furlong seems to be in good nick as well. And the the tea leaves are kind of suggesting it might be Stuart McCloskey getting the nod in the centre alongside Gary Ringrose. How would, how would you rate that? Ian, would you would you like to see McCluskey given another go after a, a decent November? Yeah, I thought he did really well uh, in November, and obviously he got injured. So, um, I I don't know what the full story is with 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 Bundy uh, up in Connacht. Like they keep bringing out press releases that he yeah he's fine, he's able to play, and then he's not even in the squad. So there's obviously something going on there. Um, but with with Bundy, I think if he did start. Like you know what to get from you'll get from Bundy. He's 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 got a uh, money in the bank with 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 Ireland and with with Andy Farrell. Andy Farrell loves him like he's he's so destructive. He's a leader of the backline. He's able to play make as well. So I don't think you'll lose anything there with Bundy, even though he hasn't played too much. But I I think it'd be great for Stuart McCluskey once again. You've got Henshaw coming back, Ringrose, Bundy, and there's it, it, nothing wrong with putting uh, Stuart McCluskey in there and. Now you have Osborne coming through as well. It's all of a sudden we've got options in that in the centre. Uh, and I know Jack Crowley's been playing twelve as well as kind of another different variety. I, I still think he'll be ten for Ireland, but there's nothing wrong to have another string string to your bow. But I think it'd be good for McCluskey to. I think when he played that match in November against South Africa, is like he almost feels, oh, this is my opportunity now after years of trying. I know he's been in for one or two games, but. I think he, he can now see himself. Okay, I could actually put a two or three games together here in the in the twelve jersey, and I think that's when he will see better more from Stuart McCluskey on the Ireland front, and he can bring in his form from Ulster into the to the Irish system. Barch, how would you go along with that? Do you think McCluskey is kind of worthy of his chance to defend his title, if I could put it like that? Yeah, look, I think Stuart McCluskey does deserve a chance. I mean, particularly with Bundy having not been playing for Connacht and having a little bit of game or uh, lacking game time. I did personally think that Farr would go for him because he he's he's proven. Um Strubikowski's proven it at that interprovincial level um and, and looked great in November in, in the in the minutes he got. Uh, but I think you know I can see why Farr would go with him. Um and I'd love to see him get a chance to be honest because it would then you know give us Proven, McCluskey proven, Bundy proven, Henshaw proven, and then Jamie Osborne. I just saw he got nominated for. He's going to be in that uh, EPCR uh, wider group of for Player of the Year. So um, yeah, he's he's coming through and has stepped up uh, to every challenge that's being asked of him. So we're we're very very strong in, in those situations. Like compared to Wales, Wales are going with Joe Hawkins, but no one 
no one outside of Gatland and his coaching staff really were sure who he would go for at 12. And 12 has been always a massive player for, for Gatland, whether it's Jamie Roberts or Hadley Park. So uh, Gatland will be hoping Hawkins can come through and, and be that cornerstone of, of his centre partnership. But um, we're very fortunate. We have we've three players we know already can do it. And we have another um, in Osborne that we looks like he can as well. Yeah, so the team is going to be announced tomorrow afternoon. You can read all the analysis about it on rte.ie. Um, one final thought as well, actually, just before we move on to other teams and other games, Birch, but the, the scrum for Ireland, I'm kind of going off the fact that Leinster's scrum over the last few months has been fairly iffy and they had a lot of issues. I know it wasn't, you know, Andrew Porter and Tyke Furlong playing, but a lot of issues against the Ospreys a few weeks ago. You've... Thomas Francis and Gareth Thomas and Scott Baldwin involved this weekend from from that game against the Ospreys. But there just have been lingering issues around the Leinster scrum over the last few weeks. How easily do you think Ireland can iron those out in a short period of time? Or or is it potentially something that could be hanging around Ireland for the next couple of months? I think think it's really important that we can fix it. Um, We're all hoping Tyke Furlong um coming back in gives Leinster and Ireland that you know that security, that safety, uh safety valve um that we're not exposed. But that is a potential Achilles heels heel for us. Um Munster or Leinster and uh Ireland have a pretty similar kind of scrum setup. Um but certainly John Fogarty I'm sure will be looking to iron out any little technical flaws that Leinster have been um uh, implementing or teams have been exploiting to give us that security there. I think from a from a Wales point of view, an Irish point of view, we're lucky Nicky Smith's not playing. He's a very destructive loose head. Um Garrett Thomas is, is, is decent, but Nicky Smith is is um is is the best scrummaging loose head in Wales, but he's he's not picked. So we may not get exposed this weekend uh, or tested, but certainly the week after and against England I think we will. Yeah, certainly looks like it. Um, so that is two fifteen on Saturday afternoon. Other games this weekend: England and Scotland, four forty-five p.m. That's on RT two and RT player, and then Italy France is Sunday three p.m. In on on England and Scotland, it's it's a funny one. So like England, they've one win in five, one win in their last five against Scotland. Scotland have a win and a draw in their last two visits to Twickenham. There's the coaching change at England, but you can't help shake the feeling that England are just probably still favourites. They've probably been favourites for all those other matches yeah. against Scotland. So it's just interesting. It's just, and that's the, the, the mental side of rugby. Uh, it's such a funny game sometimes. Just one, if you have this collective uh, positivity and an understanding or, or this group of confidence that you can beat a team. It's amazing what, what, what you can do. And Scotland seems to have the, the England's number at, at the moment. Um, um, they, they just don't fear England. And even I think they're that, that, that great comeback when they're, they're losing and they came back was a 34 all 38 all 38, 38 all like they, they just have this confidence against England and, and England have, have a doubt now as well. Like it's, it's it's just that that mental side of the game, which is brilliant. And yeah, as, uh, you, I'm definitely thinking. Okay, I'm still thinking England are going to edge this. But now, what's happened over the last few years? You're like, well, Scotland can easily turn this over. And uh, as you said, they're more of a they're more of a structured team. Um, like they've they've been together. They they've got more of an understanding. And then Bort were coming in, bringing in 
a few changes. Um, like you just don't know what this England team's gonna bring. So I think Scotland are gonna be full of confidence uh playing in Twickenham on, on Saturday. And once again, that's this is why I'm so excited about this Six Nations. You just don't know what's gonna happen. And Birch, I suppose the the flip flip side for Scotland is that okay, they have a very, very good record against England over the last few years, but unfortunately they've They've peaked in that game pretty much every, and you know this is the third year in a row where it's the opening match of the tournament as well, and it's it's got to a point where that has been the biggest game of the competition for them, and by the time we're getting to rounds four and five, they just look aside who are kind of a little bit spent. Like how do they? Obviously, the how how do they go about trying to match up that big England performance and then maintaining that level rather than tapering off? Yeah, it's um. It's a big demand of them. I mean, last year they beat England and then went to Cardiff and you know lost to an average enough Welsh team and blew blew the whole thing. They've they really struggled to go back to back and they brought in a new um, head of mental preparation, a fellow called Aaron Walsh from the Chiefs, and he's 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 over at them at the moment. So it's something that Gregor Townsend obviously felt was was um, an area that they need to explore and, and add a bit of value to. Um, I don't know if they have the squad. To, to, to like be basically competitive in, in all five out of six, not competitive, but to win five out of six games, or um, maybe that's a little bit of a effect as well. Once they get a few injuries, a bit of fatigue, it drops off. Um, obviously, the smaller player pool boosted there by, by Ben Healy and, and maybe you know John Cooney a little further down the road. But um, Glasgow, in fairness, have been playing some some really good uh rugby under, under Franco Smith, Edinburgh probably better than they were um, you know, at the end of Cockrell's reign. So th- th- they will be going into, co- into camp confident from what they're doing with their franchises. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, they have this ability to, to have a meltdown, um, you know, far too regularly to be, to have trust in them. Yes. And I, I think it's been a very frustrating for Gregor Townsend because he's had a long reign mm. there and he just hasn't managed to, to get it right. Yeah. So that's, uh, 4.45 on Saturday and then the last remaining game 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon France uh, away against Italy on France Birch so a lot of injuries coming into the competition they've been training with a good few inexperienced players and uncapped players at what point do you wonder with France that they're doing a little bit too much tinkering because almost every time they have a squad they're bringing in quite a lot of uncapped players and giving them their first looks I mean it's been going well so far, obviously. So I don't want to doubt it too much. But they are they playing with fire a little bit with the amount of yeah, uncapped was, players they're bringing in. I can understand um, up to now, but I thought I thought they would just start to narrow the focus a little bit for the Six Nations. Um, I mean, there's there's a couple of guys in this group who haven't really played a huge amount of top fourteen rugby, you know. And I know that the talent pool is is massive in France, but there's also you know, they, they they reckon some of the international coaches and some some players say it takes about ten tests to to really feel comfortable at, at that level, um, to feel you belong, to to be used to the um intensity of test match rugby. So the reality is, you know, these lads who've come in now, they won't get they won't get ten. They might get one or two caps. So um is he is Galtier planning for worst case scenario, you know, the huge Injury, injury list, or is he, is he very comfortable what he has? He just wants to, you know, uh, spread. Um, I suppose bring more people in. Like, are they coming in in the same way that Joe Schmidt or Andy Farrell used to bring in? You know, development players or 
outstanding talent in the provinces that would be in training with Ireland that we wouldn't even know about it. Do you know what I mean? Just to to get a feel for it and expand that whole um, sense of connection across the French clubs around what it means to play for France and to, to let different level. I, I'd say it's more that. I think I don't see him experimenting very much in terms of match day 23s. But yeah, it is a surprise that they have continuously um, continued to add, add, add players who haven't had international experience. And Keith, ultimately though, you do feel that if, you know, I know Ireland are favourites, but if they aren't going to win it, you feel like France are certainly ready to to jump in and win a second in a row. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's so funny, uh, all the different squads that are coming in. Uh, I said there, France being the experience, and then people are, are going, oh, should Ireland bring in more inexperienced players to get them up to level? Or Like, it's so funny, all these coaches who are at the top and no one still knows what's the right thing to do. To to we go like you see Gatlin there. He's he's scrapped it. He's going. I'm going back to my old guard. Ireland have a few inexperienced players brought in. France have brought in a, a a load of them. And it's so funny. There's three different ways of doing it all there, and still no one knows what what the right thing to do. And it all depends on your team and your blend. But yeah, even with these guys coming in, um, they they have a few. Big injuries. I think Dante is probably the biggest injury concern for them. I think he's their their main guy who's, who gets them go forward, um, and 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 sets sets the set piece battle for for um for France. But I I still think that they they're yeah they're they're up there with Ireland. They're it's it, like the, that that match next week could easily be the the decider already. But I I think that test against Italy, France for Italy, it, it, it's worst time to play Italy. Away mm. from home, first match, they won their last match in the Six Nations. So that they have a strange once they once they win one match, they got this unbelievable confidence about them that they could beat beat anyone. And it, it, it's probably the, to- the worst time to play it. First match of the the Six Nations when all their players are fresh, they're invigorated, they're confident. Uh, so I say that match will be closer than people probably think, especially with the the injuries for France. Um, but yeah, you can still see France winning and being being their contenders at the end with Ireland. So it might come down to next week. Yeah. And Bert, just to finish up then on Italy, like I know it will be an enormous shock for them to go and beat France, but just for, for them in the, the championship as a whole, there's a there's a great excitement and a great buzz around them in comparison to 12 months ago. Like you, I think you might've been on the podcast where we had Michael Bradley on last year and we're talking about the, the future of Italian mm. rugby and there was talks of them getting booted out and, in the end, they, they got the win against Wales. They had a better autumn as well and got a win against Australia. And they look like a side who really have found what they're looking for and found what they're doing and have a lot of confidence about themselves. Yeah, it's, it's great. And it's built around one team, Benetton, Treviso. Uh, like, um, and they, they've they got some good depth now. Crowley obviously came from there, so he, he understands the Italian psyche. And, um, he just, I, look, I think they're capable of the odd one-off a uh, big performance in scalp, but um, I I just can't see how did they'd ever get well not ever but in the near future how did win more than one mm-hmm. uh game in a Six Nations. But look at that, that's not what the be on end all. The be on end all is is for it to be competitive. And what the reason we were getting so frustrated was, you know, it wasn't well, for me anyway. It wasn't that they weren't winning. It was that they didn't even look like. Winning, you know what I mean? Yeah, they were losing by they were losing by yeah. thirty points. Yeah, exactly. 30, 40 and, and, points. You know, you felt shortchanged if you were, you know, a fan and paying big money to go and travel, etc. Um, 
but hopefully that will change now. And and uh, the the Australian game, I think the Australian win, even though obviously Australia rotated, but how they won it at the end, um, and how it backed up and uh, and followed from the Wales win, I think that was that was really important for them. And I think they do go into this with with um, with renewed confidence. And that's we want this to be like competitive across all matches. And and for me, that's progress for Italy. Hundred percent right. It's prediction time. First of all, I'm going to ask you. Pick your three winners for this weekend. Keith, you go first. Three winners this weekend. I'll go for the easy one. Uh, Ireland, England, France. And Birch? Same, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. And then the big one, who's going to win the Who's going to win the championship? I think we'll win the championship, but no grand slam for me. Who do you think we'll lose to? I think we'll lose to France. And, and, Fran- and France lose to? Well, France lose to England, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think. And what a, 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 a points difference swing yeah. in ultimately yeah. to to swing yeah. it. Keats, yeah. what's your bet? Okay, Ireland Grand Slam. Oh, he's going all out. Well, I'm not going to predict anything because I don't have to do. I'll decide after the France game who's going to win the who's going to win the Six Nations. You changed. You changed since you got that Nick freebie to to Kinta. Got a on there now. Yeah. No. No predictions. No predictions. It, look, you're the experts. You're the people. You're the people. The people want to we'll hear see. from. We'll but, see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. So Ireland against Wales this Saturday afternoon, two fifteen, uh, live commentary on RT Radio 1 and as I said then it is um, uh, the following week next week on RT2 and RT player Ireland against France so Ian Keatley Byrne Jackman thanks so many for joining us and enjoy the games this week thanks guys bye bye cheers